This podcast is brought to you by your friends at SkyrimBookClub.ca. You are now in the Arcanium, of which I am in charge. It might as well be my own little plane of oblivion. Disrupt my Arcanium, and I will have you torn apart by angry Atronox. Enjoy the book. The True Told Tale of Halin, Part 2. Second part of a tale about sword singer Halin and his defense of Ajwambu. So Queen Ajwa took the venerable Halin at his word, and forthwith ordered her people to march west toward Alakir, while daily drilling from the Book of Circles. But Queen Ajwa did more. As she was a wise queen, she was an owl friend, and had decreed that all owls were to be honored and none slain. And in return, the owls did many a favor for her. So the queen did call the father of owls, and asked him to bide in Ajwambu and observe Halin's defense. For I would learn, she said, how one man shall defend an entire city. Even as the last of the people of Ajwambu departed from her gates to take the secret ways to Alakir, the scouts of the Tusk folk appeared in the east, where they were noted by Halin, for though he was old, his eyes were keen. Then Halin spake, though there was none to hear but the father of owls, saying, As the snake sheds its skin, so shall the Ansai rise anew from the husks of the past. He raised his sword and cried, Sisters! Brothers! I summon you to the succor of your people, for time folds upon itself, and then time is now. And he gestured with his blade to the left, and all along the battlements to the north there was a rustling as of snakeskin, and lo, there arose along the parapets the shadows of a legion. And there stood the semblances of all the female Ansai who ever were, and they turned to Halin and saluted. So Halin gestured likewise to the right, and along the battlements to the south there was a rustling, and lo, there arose the semblance of all the male Ansai who ever were, and they likewise saluted Halin. And then all, north and south, drew their bright blades, and stood on the battlements awaiting. The scouts of the Tusk folk stopped forthwith to observe the defenses of Ajwambu. Surprised were they to see the battlements lined with goodly warriors, for they had been told that the folk of the city had forgot the way of the sword. So they did consult amongst themselves as to who would carry this news to warlord Mazgur, and quarrel and quibble, for they feared the bearer of such news would have his head struck off. But finally the smallest, with many blows, was made to carry the report back to the warlord. So the scout reported to Mazgur that, unaccountably, the walls of Ajwambu were lined with many goodly defenders. Of an instant, the rock hand struck off the scout's head, but then he took thought, for he was possessed of both slyness and sinew, and his thoughts were, What matter? We are as numberless as the sand in the dunes. We shall surround this Ajwambu, leaving neither entry nor egress. We shall despoil their fields of its provender, and stop up the streams of their flow, until no one within shall have to eat or to drink, and thus the city shall fall. So Mazgur ordered, and so it came to pass. The tusk folk took their leisure among the spoils of the outworks, casting jeers and taunts at the defenders on the wall. But the defenders replied not, so Mazgur and his army waited, amusing themselves most abominably at the expense of their prisoners, secure that in time the defenders of Ajwambu must wither and dwindle. But it was not so. Even long after, when the warlord's bone counters calculated there must be no more to eat or to drink within the city, the defenders stood stalwart and saying not. So Mazgur summoned his shamans, saying, Shamans, we have been befooled by the perfidious red guards. Are these goodly warriors we see lying in the battlements, or are they but shadows? So the shamans cast the portents, and sacrificed twin infants, and sent a scullion to the east gate, whom Halin did spear from above. And they returned and said, Nay, mighty Mazgur, we are not befooled, for these are goodly warriors we see lying in the battlements. 
but how they may stand when they have not to eat or to drink, this we cannot tell. Of an instant, Mazgur struck off the shaman's heads, then raised bloody bone-hewer and cried, To arms! Form ranks! For tonight we drink the blood of the defenders of Ashwambu! Of that battle, no living redguards survived to tell the tale. But nonetheless did wise Queen Ajwa hear of it in full, for the father of owls did bear the tale to her ear. He told of how Helene and his Ansai withstood the assault, yea, for seventeen days. But though they were goodly warriors, over time the Ansai did dwindle, though each left behind only a husk like unto a snakeskin. Finally, only Helene stood at the east gate, which was burst open by warlord Mazgur, with bone hewer held high. And Helene did seem to grow to match him in size, and the two met sword to sword. Long and long their blades clashed, until finally as the moons rose, the rock hand smote Helene such a blow that he was struck to the ground. But even as he fell, Helene, who knew the cuts and thrusts of the Book of Circles, yea, each and every one, swung his sword and struck off the head of the warlord Mazgur. Then both were dead, but in death only one was smiling and serene. Queen Ajwa nodded to hear this news, and said, It is well. And she turned to her mighty army of redguard warriors, each of which knew the cuts and thrusts of the Book of Circles, yea, each and every one, and said, Redguards, march we now to retake our lands from the Tusk folk, and when we have regained our splendid city once more, we shall name it Halene's Stand, and so it shall be, and so it has been ever after.